Castaway Show with Dave Dolan. Hello, Anza. You're listening to KOYT, Coyote Radio, 97.1 FM, Anza's own local radio show. And you're listening to The Castaway. This is Dave Dolan, and I'm here with my fishing report show. We're going to have some reports, tips, recipes, boating tips, and some general outdoor information. So stay tuned for this episode of The Castaway Show. Well, everybody, I'd like to go into our fishing report. I'd like to backtrack just a little bit. Just recently, I did a show with uh, John McVoy. You know, he's on Saturday nights at 8 o'clock with The Rock Show. I really enjoy listening to that. We did a little trade-off together. I was a guest on his show. We talked about some the British invasion, that era of rock. And recently, he was on this show, and we talked a lot of fishing together. Well, I really enjoyed that. I look forward to maybe he and I doing another show together again. And I sure learned a lot by listening to what he had to say, some of his fishing tips. So just remember, Saturday nights, 8 o'clock, here on KOYT, The Rock Show with John McVoy. Well, going into my fishing reports, we'll start off on the freshwater scene. I'd like to give a report on a lake I really haven't talked about very much for quite a while because um, conditions haven't been very, very good there for a while. I want to talk about Lake Paris, just down the hill from us. You know, it was back in 2005, it was determined that the dam was not up to earthquake standards and that they had to do some work on it. Well, at that time, they started drawing the water down, which really hurt the fishing and the recreational activities there at that lake. At the low point, the water was drawn down 45 feet below its normal level, but then we went into our drought conditions, and they had to draw more water out of it. That lake ended up being 64 feet down from what it normally was. Well, the good news is they're starting to put water back into that lake. And the really good benefit for us um, fishermen is that it should have some really good fishing conditions. See, what had happened is all that wet shoreline, when the water was down, a lot of growth and vegetation grew up. Small trees, shrubs. Now, this is really good fish habitat. Also, well, during the construction, they put in some rock structures on the lake, which is also, you know, rock reefs, really good fish habitat. So... When that water gets up and covers these, these structures, the vegetation and the rocks, I look for some really good fishing to return there. In fact, some of the reports I have is they're expecting that this will be back to one of the best bass fisheries in the Southland. So that's a good positive sign that we have down below there at Lake Paris. Currently, the water level is rising at one and a half inches daily. That means every eight days, it's up another foot. So we can look for improved fishing and recreational opportunities at Lake Paris. Also just down the hill from us at Lake Skinner, the uh, recent storms we had really kind of took a toll on the fishing. The water temperature dropped quite a bit. It's down to 53 degrees. This really kind of shut off the striped bass fishing, which had been going off really good for the early springtime. But now these fish have gone down deep. They're pretty lethargic, so it's kind of shut off the bass fishing. But as the water warms up, I look for that to pick up. Also, when that water warms up and the striped bass fishing picks up, I'm going to use some of those tips that John gave me when he was on the show. Seems like he really has that dialed in, that uh, striped bass fishing down at Lake Skinner. He talked about just floating a worm or a sardine 
on a fly line the line, fly line your line out by the dam or the inlet, I'm going to take him up on those tips once the water warms up a bit. Now, Skinner did receive a trout plant on March 14th. They're scheduled to get another one on March the 28th. But one note, though, this trout plant on March 28th is scheduled to be the last trout plant of the season. So things will be shifting gears down there at Lake Skinner. Looking to also at Diamond Valley Lake, also there they took a beating with all the uh, cold weather and wind we had. Their water temperature dropped down to 58 degrees, and that also got the fish kind of lethargic. Say the bass are down deep in a pre-spawn mode, but um, the water temperature is going to have to pick up a little bit before you know things pick up on the fishing. The trout has been kind of slow, but they're scheduled to get a trout plant on March the 14th. So generally, when they get their trans trout, let's say that again. Trout transplants, <laughs> it's just once a month, but they get 3,500 pounds. So that should really turn on the trout fishing. Also looking down the hill at Lake Elsinore, they also got hit pretty hard with the uh, cold weather we had. They did have a pretty good bite going on on catfish and crappie, but that pretty much shut down with that cold water. But I look forward to, this with the other ones, once the water warms up a little bit, that warm water species should pick up. Then looking in San Diego County at Lake Cuyamaca in the backcountry just south of us, they've been receiving regular trout plants. They've been doing well on your basically your power baits, mouse, mice tails. And one good bit, of, good bit of news is that Lake Cuyamaca, they're going to be stalking bluegill and crappie in that lake. Now, they used to have a really good fishery there for the bluegill and crappie, but for some reason, maybe they just didn't breed very good or a couple slack years, and it really went downhill. I remember being there with my son fishing off the dock there where we just nail in as many crappie as we wanted to. These are really good fish to flay them out, good in the frying pan, good fish tacos. So I look for that fishery to pick up there at Lake Cuyamaca for the uh, crappie and bluegill along with the trout fishing. One thing of note is that Lake Cuyamaca, they will stalk trout through the summer season, kind of like they do at Lake Hemet. And that's another one I'm looking forward to them starting to start to start planting trout at that one, too. Looking up north of us, the Sierras, they actually had their early season opener on March the 1st. Now, that's just in the very southern Sierras between Lone Pine and Independence Creek, just between Lone Pine and the town of Independence and the creeks that run down. Now, that's a really good place to start your early season fishing. There's there's a Lone Pine Stream, Independence Stream, Cottonwood Creek. They're open for fishing. They do stalk some fish. And they also have what's called a couple little ponds called the Sand Pits. I've had a lot of fun up there. Did that with my boys when they were younger. But um, one thing about it, you think we've had some cold weather here. The Sierras really got cold. Of course, they got a lot of snow up there. The one storm in one night dropped 96 inches of snow up there on June Mountain. But um, it's been really cold. In fact, it was two weeks ago. Now, you heard about all the storms back east, all the cold weather they had. Well, when that was going on, the town of Bridgeport up in the eastern Sierras, one morning they were the coldest spot in the United States, 13 below zero. So um, if you want to try that early opener, Southern Sierra fishing may be okay, but um, hold off on going up there north. Kind of on a sad note, one place I really enjoyed fishing in the Sierras, Pleasant Valley Reservoir. 
Now, this is about six miles north of Bishop, right along Highway 395. Uh, Pleasant Valley, it's it's the dammed up Owens River. They've got a small power plant there. They've always stocked it with trout. In fact, it's a year-round fishery, and they stock it with trout. And just down below Pleasant Valley Reservoir on the Owens River, this is one of the best wild trout fishing areas, actually probably in the country. Well, the sad thing is they had a major fire went through the Pleasant Valley Campground. Normally you don't get fires during the winter, but um, they had a lot of wind and somehow it got started. That burnt 2,200 acres and it took out a lot of the wild trout section, a lot of the vegetation along the Owens River. You know, this has always been a real special spot that I enjoyed fishing up there. I was just up there in November and did a lot of trips up there with my sons when they were younger. And uh, let's just hope that this area bounces back. Now, looking on the saltwater scene, um, on March the 1st, that started the rock season, rock cod fishing season in the U.S. waters. It had been shut off since January 1st, but we had the opener on March the 1st, and the local half-day boats have been able to target the rock cod fishing. Most of these boats are averaging about five fish per angler. Now, this is just on the half-day fishing trips, so, you know, that's a lot of fun to do that. And also, out of the San Diego Mission Bay landings, they found a pretty good amount of yellowtail that like to bite down at the rock pile down in Mexican waters. The rock pile, it's about 15 miles south of the Coronado Islands. It's just off Rosarita Beach. It's just a spot you punch in on your GPS and go there. Seems like the yellowtail really like that area. I know just last week a couple examples that the boat San Diego out of the Mission Bay landing, they had 12 anglers landed 43 yellowtail. The Liberty, another nice boat that I've gone on, they're out of the Fisherman's Landing and San Diego Landing. They had 23 anglers put 59 yellowtail on the deck. Now that's pretty good fishing here for early March and you know, when you can squeeze in a trip in between the storms, there's some good fishing to be had there. Another uh, on the San Diego scene, San Diego Bay, it, you may not believe this, but it is one of the best lobster hooping areas in the state of California. Well, the lobster season closes on March the 15th, but um, the one thing about the lobster season this year is there's been very, very light pressure on that that fishery because the Shelter Island launch ramp is closed down, which means that private boaters just have not been able to get out and go lobster fishing. The only way you could do it is if you're on a slip, but I do know from personal experience that probably 95% of these people that fit, that do the lobster hooping launch at the Shelter Island, Shelter Island launch ramp, and since it's been closed down, it just has not been any pressure on that fishery. So what I look forward to is a very good year of lobster hooping in San Diego Bay next year. So anyhow, that's my wrap-up on the local uh, fresh and saltwater fishing. There is some fishing to be had out there, and with the warmer water conditions, I look for it to really turn on here real soon. Well, everybody, on these shows, I really love giving you the fishing reports, where they're biting, how to catch them, all the fishing tips I can. Also like giving you those recipes, but one thing I realize I've been kind of neglecting a little bit is how do you take care of that fish once you catch it? What do you do with it between the time you bring it up and the time you take it home and, and you cook it? Now, when people tell me that their fish tastes fishy, I just shake my head. You really kind of missed the boat there. You know, there's probably three reasons why that fish tastes fishy. 
If you bought it from a store, you probably did not buy very good quality of fish. Or another reason is if you caught it yourself, maybe you didn't take care of that fish once you did catch it. Or the last thing is if you overcooked your fish. Now, those three, three things will make your fish taste pretty fishy, so I like to give you the tips on how to avoid that. Now, I'll, first I'll go into uh, catching freshwater fish, the important thing on that. Now, how many times have you maybe been out fishing, taking kids out fishing? You know, they catch a trout, bring it up, put it on a stringer, you throw it out there in the water, tie it off to a rock, and you watch that trout struggle for a little while, and pretty soon it not doing so well then it kind of flips over on its side then it floats up belly first and then it's laying in that warm water for who knows how long you take that trout home you clean it you cook it and you go jesus doesn't taste very good well you didn't take care of your catch now the most humane thing that you can do to this fish when you catch it is kill it as quick as you can when we're talking about trout usually i have my uh, pliers with me. I just give it a good whack over the head, but that's the most humane thing you can do to that fish. The next most important thing you have to do with that fish is that you've got to get it cooled as quick as you can. Now, if you're out in a boat in deeper water, you might the water might be pretty cool, but the best thing you could do is if you've got an ice cooler, throw it on some ice. That's really important. Now, I talked about, you know, if the fish struggles out there on the stringer, well, now both freshwater and saltwater fish, one thing to keep in mind is if that fish is struggling or beating itself up on a rock or something, they're releasing acids into their flesh. So once that acid goes into their flesh, you're not going to get rid of it. So go for that quick kill and you will have a whole lot better product. Now, going to the saltwater scene, now... One thing I've seen a lot is that on a, like a half-day boat where you've got a lot of novice anglers, they'll catch a fish, they'll bring it up, and they'll drop it on the deck. And it's, it's kind of funny. Those fish, they're like a hot wire just flipping all over, going boom, 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 you know. And, you know, it's kind of amusing for little kids to see. But what that fish is doing, it's just really beating up and destroying its own flesh. Compare that to um, a good cut of steak. Say um, just before a cattle goes in for, for slaughter, for for eating it. Let's say we get a sledgehammer, we just beat the side of that cattle all we can. What do you think that that steak is going to taste like? Not very good. So once again, it's the most important thing you could do is go for a quick kill on that saltwater fish. Now saltwater fish are a whole lot bigger, especially if you get in the big yellowtail tuna. You know, you're probably not going to do a lot of damage to it with a pair of pliers and a whack on the head. In fact, you might just make it a lot madder. So what I like to do when I catch a, a larger fish, I usually, you know, I have my uh, needle nose pliers with me. I either use my needle nose pliers or a Phillips head screwdriver, and I like to spike that fish right in the top of the head. Now, it may sound cruel, but um, that's the most humane thing you could do that makes them lay down quiet really quick. And then the next thing you want to do really soon after you spike it to make it lay still, you want to cut the gill plate at the bottom, kind of at the throat. What that does is while their heart is still beating, that will pump all the blood out of the fish. And it's really important to bleed your fish. Fish blood, the blood that goes into their flesh does not taste good. So those are the two important things to do once you catch that saltwater fish. The next thing is, once again, you want to cool that fish as soon as you can. If you're on a private boat, 
Get that thing into an ice cooler. It's really good if you want to maybe gut the fish and put it in your cooler and pack ice cubes inside the stomach cavity. That will chill the fish from the inside out. A really good feature to have on a bow is they have these kill bags. These are like soft-sided soft ice coolers and um, really well insulated and they're really efficient to have them on a boat because, you know, for the space considerations. But once again, it's very important to kill the fish, gut it, and get it on ice as soon as you can. Now, one thing I like to do on the sport boats is a lot of them have this refrigerated saltwater system to keep their fish. What this is, the boats, they will chill the salt water down to 28 degrees. Now, salt water has a lower freezing temperature than fresh water, so 28 degrees is just above freezing it. But what they'll do is they'll throw the whole fish down there. Now, I've been on trips where we come back after six, seven days of this fish in the refrigerated salt water. Those fish come out looking like they could still be swimming. They're just perfect condition. So one thing I like to do is when I'm going on a sport boat, especially a multi-day boat, I like to make sure that boat has this refrigerated saltwater system. Now fortunately, most of the sport boats have gone to this system. It's such a good way of preserving your catch that once one boat did it, pretty much all of them had to do it to stay competitive. But if by chance this is a boat where they still use gunny sacks and all, I would stay away from that boat. I want my fish to be cared for really well. Now, talking about those sport boats, another feature that's really nice on, on especially on your longer trips now, is that there are, I know of three different fish processors that serve the San Diego and Mission Bay fleet. Now, what these fish processors do, if, as long as you made arrangements ahead of time, they will meet you at the dock. They will take your fish right off the boat. You don't have to touch the fish. They take it, they put it in big slush bins, you know, ice water. They take it right in. They are the real professionals at cutting up, filleting your fish. They vacuum seal your fish. You can um, let them know what you want. Like if you want one pound packages, they'll um, make bigger packages if you want. They will personalize this to you. Now, this may sound a little bit expensive, but when you think about... Um, fishing long range, bottom line, you're probably looking at, uh, give or take, $300 a day, maybe $400 a day on the cost per day on your trip. Now, after all that money, isn't it nice to not have to worry about your fish, that they'll take care of it? What you're going to get back is prime quality, professionally processed fish. So I really recommend using a fish processor. You know, see the other end of the spectrum. I've seen guys come off boats, their truck has been out in the hot sun all day, get a bag of fish, throw it in the bed of the truck, and that fish is literally cooking in the back of their truck. They've just ruined their the product of what they have. So take care of your fish once you get off the boat. Now, if you don't use a fish processor or don't have access to one, one thing that I would really recommend is using a vacuum sealer of your own. I've got one, there's food savers, some other Cabela's, a lot of different brands that you can get. Get a good quality vacuum sealer. What this does, this seals in your fish. The vacuum seal does. It gets all the air out. Now, if you throw fish into a freezer bag, I don't care how hard you try, you're going to get air locked in there. Once you get air locked in there, it only takes a matter of a week or two. You've got freezer burn on your fish, and your fish will taste fishy. Another little tip I have on using a vacuum sealer is, you know, these vacuum sealers that they use at the um, 
fish processors, these things are industrial strength. They get all the air out. None at all will be in there. Well, sometimes on these home vacuum sealers, you know, they're, they're not the industrial strength like the pros use. They'll leave little tiny air pockets in there. Not much and certainly a whole lot better than using a freezer bag. But one tip I learned is that before you full, um, vacuum seal your fish, get clear plastic wrap, wrap your fish in that plastic wrap, then put it into your um, food saver vacuum seal bag, then seal it. So if there's any little air pockets, those air pockets will be against the plastic that the fish is wrapped up in. So just a little tip, keep in mind that will really help improve the quality of your fish. Now, if you're going to um, vacuum seal your own fish, that means you're probably doing your own fish cleaning. Well, um, I've kind of graduated up from that. I like to get away from that, especially if I've done a long trip. It's not fun to, you know, throw that fish in the cooler, come home, you're all tired out, and you got a clean fish. Well, sometimes things work out and that's just what you have to do. Here's one thing to keep in mind. Now, you're using a fillet knife. Let's say you uh, go in, you gut that fish, cut out the entrails, get all the guts out, all that stuff you don't want. Then you put your fish down, you go to fillet it. Well, what's all over the, the blade of that knife? Fish guts, fish slime, right against that fillet of fish. Clean that fish blade before you fillet it. Either clean it really good or use one knife to gut the fish, do the dirty work, and use another knife exclusively for the fish filleting. So anyhow, these are just a few of the tips that I have on how to take care of your catch between the time you catch it and the time you cook it. I'm sure there's more out there that I missed, but these are some really basic steps, and these are things I've seen where people have made mistakes. So you put in all that time, effort, the money, the enjoyment you get out of fishing, just make sure that you're going to be able to enjoy that fish when you get home and enjoy a good fish dinner. Well, I'd like to now go into my fishing tip, and I'd like to combine that with my boating tip. You know, this past week, I just attended a big outdoor show down in Long Beach. This one in particular, it's the Fred Hall Outdoor Show. There's a lot of other outdoor shows that you can attend in the Southland here. There's the L.A. Boat Show, the Newport Boat Show. There was a big uh, outdoor show in Pomona. There's the San Diego Boat Show. They're all really good. And my main tip for both fishing and boating is if you get a chance to do one of these shows, definitely go to it. The one that I just went to, which is also going to be down at Del Mar here in a couple weeks, the number of seminars that you can attend at these shows is just phenomenal. I think there were, the show I just went to, there were something like 400 seminars during the course of the show. A lot of these, you get the long-range boat captains, you got guides, fishing guides from the high Sierras, how to launch your boat. There's so much you can learn. Not only at this one, but go to the boat shows too. You know, there's a lot of boat captains down there. You can get a lot of boating tips from them. And one thing I find is they're just like me. They love to talk boating and fishing. So my fishing and boating tip is if there's a seminar or a show you can go out, go to out there, go to it and have fun. Well, everybody, are you hungry? It's recipe time. Here's one that I really like, and I still use some of that uh, salmon that I caught last summer. Now, I want to emphasize, I caught this salmon last summer up in Alaska, but I vacuum sealed it, and when I thaw it out, it looks just like it did when I caught it. So get that vacuum sealer and you can use fish that you've had in the freezer for a while. Well, this recipe is a salmon pasta salad. I like to get two fillets of salmon, 
This will transmit, transfer into about two cups of salmon. I like to pan sear that really quick with a little salt and pepper. Take it aside, then I like to break it up into bite-sized pizzas. Then get a bell pepper. I like to slice that into thin slices. Two green onions, chop that up real fine. Get an avocado, you can cut that up into cubes. Two tomatoes. Then I like to get four cups of cooled pasta. There's a couple different brands I like, but any of them will work. Just a mild pasta. Combine all these ingredients and put it into a container that you can seal the top. Now, give it a good shake to mix that up really well. Now, I like to make my own dressing for this. I use the juice from one lemon, a quarter cup of white wine vinegar, three quarters of a cup of olive oil, and I like to throw a teaspoon of tarragon in there. For some reason, tarragon to me really sets off the taste of fish. Mix this up real good and you've got your dressing. Now, I like to pour this dressing on top of that salad that's in that container, give it another good shake, and you have got a salad that you will really enjoy, this salmon pasta salad. It's a great meal for the summertime. Well, before signing off on this show, I'd like to remind you that you can contact, contact any of us here at the station. That is programming at koyt971.org. Send us an email there, and I'd like to hear from you. Is there something you'd like to hear me talk about? Or better yet, is there something maybe you would like to come in and talk about? I had a really great time when John came in. I learned a lot from him. He had a few fishing stories, and uh, we had a really good time at it. So if anybody out there would like to come in and uh, sit in with me, I could really enjoy that. So once again, that's programming at koyt971.org. So for this episode of The Fishing Show on The Castaway Show, really enjoyed talking fishing with you. Hope I gave you some tips on how to take care of that catch and maybe use it in the recipe I just gave you. So until the next show, enjoyed talking to you and listening again, and we'll talk some more fishing.